I want to welcome you back to the second week of Bells 2020, a 2020 vision of the 2020 election, right here on KPC Radio. As Black History Month is just passing, I wanted to talk to you about the importance of the African American and minority voter. I have the perfect guest on today, Professor Strickland, a brilliant professor right here at Pierce College, a professional on Amer African American studies. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of the African American voter. Also, we need to have the African American voter understand the importance of their vote. First, I want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Janelle. It's wonderful to be here on your show. I've had you as a student two times in two different courses, and so it's very much an honor to have you and for you to have me. Yeah, it's de <laughs> definitely my honor to have you here. Yes. First, I want to ask you personally, what does it mean for you to be able to speak and vote for the African-American community tomorrow? Yeah, I think it's very important, especially in an era like right now where we have a neo-fascist Donald Trump in office and uh, we as all Americans but definitely African Americans and people who are oppressed uh, you know we need to definitely vote and let our voices be heard and not just vote but become informed voters um, you know obviously we all have uh, goals that we have we all have uh, it's okay to have an agenda <laughs> but uh, the agenda should of course be the agenda of progression for humankind and for humanity at large and so I really believe that all people should let their voices be heard, get out and vote. Uh, don't let the time pass you by. Seize the time. Seize the day. Let's hit, actually, on the importance of the African-American and minority voter. The importance that the African-American community understands the importance that their vote really does count and that people actually do care about their vote. This is a very widespread question, but I, wanna, I want people to understand why is it important for the African-American community to come out together and vote? What does it represent? Yeah, so essentially 1776 African-Americans were voting and we were voting for then for better resources, for more accessibility, for freedom essentially. And this even goes to the 1960s uh, where the focus was civil rights. Later it became even more of an outlook and magnification on human rights for African-Americans and also an international scope of not just African-Americans but also Africans on the continent of Africa and people oppressed in Asia, uh, people oppressed in uh, Central America and Mexico and the Middle East and all over in Europe, Southeastern Europe. And so African-American struggles are things that resonate, I think, with the whole world. Obviously, when we look at Jim Crow segregation, when we look at the era of slavery, we're still impacted by that as African-Americans. And so it's important for our voices to be heard. Uh, powers that be really focused on trying to nullify the black vote and uh, really inspire, try to miseducate African Americans in a different type of way of how impactful their vote can be. Uh, so once again, being an informed voter, uh, looking at candidates that really look to African Americans' upper mobility is a high importance. 
With movements like Black Lives Matter, does it seem to be encouraging to the African-American community to be able to stand up to prejudice and unjust attacks like stop and frisk with Bloomberg's policy when he was governor of New York? Right. Yeah, so this goes back to awareness. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, Michael Bo Bloomberg is a billionaire, uh, and he's using his ads uh, to put out misinformation or to show forms of progression in his ideology, but it could be arguable that this progression of his uh, outlooks away from stop and frisk has just been because of him being outed uh, and people uh, realizing where his political basis is, where his mindset is, and that's very problematic uh, if he were to become the president, if this is truly how he feels about stop and frisk, which is obviously harassment, racialized harassment, and uh, basically uh, perpetuates a legacy that goes back to uh, the Negro patrols, really, uh, but that's, I don't want to get into a super history lesson here, but yeah, <laughs> for those interested, look up uh, the aftermath of the Stono Rebellion, uh, which occurred in 1739, an uprising of African Americans in South Carolina, then just a year after 1740, the Negro Act came about, which basically made it illegal for African Americans to learn how to read and write. Uh, obviously, knowledge is power, uh, but white supremacists at the time they equated African-Americans learning how to read and write to true rebellion and true freedom and real freedom and equality. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the stop and frisk has a long history that goes back to this act of 1940, which really uh, substantiated terrorism against African-American communities. All right, let's get into Trump just a little. Most Democrats are very, very concerned that Trump will get another four years. According to the New York Post, eight out of 10 African Americans believe that Trump is a racist. Recently, Trump came out with Black Voices for Trump. What do you think of this new campaign strategy, and do you think this is just a political move, or do you honestly think that he is starting to care about the African American voter? I think it's personally a political move. Um, in his time in office, uh, there hasn't been anything that he's done, in my opinion, that has substantially changed the lives of African Americans. Uh, you mentioned Black Lives Matter, for instance, and you know, there, you know, uh, Patrice Cullors, one of the uh, founding members of Black Lives Matter, um, has been a staunch critic of Donald Trump, and Donald Trump has actually spoken very negatively about Black Lives Matter, and uh, you know, seen them as things that they're not <laughs> actually in, in negative outlooks, but obviously they're a very positive uh, movement. And so, I no, I don't believe it. You know, even before Donald Trump got into office, going back to, you know, what was called the Central Park um, Five, uh, the African-American young men that were essentially wrongfully convicted, he was very profound in advocating for the death penalty for these young men. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a great documentary, When They See Us, uh, if I'm getting it correct, the title, it came on Netflix. Um, you know, it was very eye-opening, um, you know, in regards to how his beliefs have been for years. Yes, indeed. So I don't think, personally, he's changed. <laughs> the beliefs go back to his father, correct, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Yes, indeed, yeah. So, you know, he said that he got a, a small loan of a million dollars uh, from his father. His father also has a history of being racist against uh, African-American tenants in, Africa, uh, in, uh, in Queens, New York, I believe it was. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I heard yeah. about that mm -hmm. as well. Um, 
All right. Since we are right here on Pierce College, I wanted to bring up the importance of the African-American vote right here at home. According to collegesimply.com, 71% of students here at Pierce College are, are minority or African-American students. With that being said, according to Public Policy Institute of California, only 6% of African-Americans come out to vote and 19% of minority come out to vote. Why do you think this is, and how do we get them to understand the importance that they need to come out, speak, vote for who they think is the right candidate to represent their community? Yeah. I think lack of education, of knowing the impact of voting, I think is a large representation, a large reason to why you see those numbers as such. Um, and of course, as educators, we have to do a better job at conveying to, and I, when I say educators, not just here at Pierce College, but just across the board, K through 12, um, you know, there needs to be an understanding of what the Electoral College is, what the U.S. Constitution, you know, has within it, um, the things to understand in regards to the history of African Americans and voting, and how it was always used as a strategic, uh, if you will, political weapon for African Americans to gain more access uh, and, and more uh, inclusivity to a nation that they essentially built, you know. And so I think that, like, when students learn about Benjamin Banneker or Phyllis Wheatley, uh, you know, Limwell Haynes, you know, so the Declaration of Independence was written by, largely written by Thomas Jefferson, those other writers as well, but Thomas Jefferson, a part of writing the Declaration of Independence, 1776, and then we see Limwell Haynes, an African-American, uh, arguably the first African-American to earn his master's degree. He actually, you know, put out an extension to the Declaration of Independence stating that, you know, it should include more people who were uh, basically being enslaved and being oppressed. Uh, of course, women have also advocated for change and inclusivity around the same time and after. So I believe that once African Americans know that, oh, I'm a part of this history, I'm a part of this country, I'm a part of the fabric of this country, so therefore I should vote. You know, you're only going to vote if you feel that you're a part of uh, that nation, if you're a part of the movement forward towards progress and humanity. And so it's, it's two-pronged, right? So education, awareness, um, as well as uh, an, an understanding that, you know, I'm here and I can change what I see here. I'm not just someone that doesn't have any power. I have agency. I can make a difference and this vote can help in that difference. Yeah. And especially with this vote being so important this year with mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to get yeah. a new president. Yes. Yes indeed. <laughs> Tomorrow is Super Tuesday. Everybody get out and vote, please. Yes. You can vote right here on campus, right at the faculty and staff building, just so you know. 600 building. The, yes. the 600 <laughs> building, thank you. Um, tomorrow's Super Tuesday with Biden winning South Carolina on Saturday, putting him second to the front runner, Bernie Sanders. The African-American vote came out for Biden in a major way in South Carolina. Why do you think the African-American voter is such a supporter of uh, Vice President Biden? Well, I mean, obviously, Vice President Biden was the vice president to, you know, Barack Obama, you know, and essentially uh, they see a type of inroad there um, that this is an individual that shares the same ideology and political philosophy. Uh, last I checked online, uh, on news online, it stated that Obama is yet to endorse a candidate, you know, so 
uh, you know, even Obama's, you know, holding him back a little bit, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, th this is a new generation, and I, I believe that it's highly important for young black people to see the lay of the land of political candidates and not just go with the average status quo uh, to vote where their heart is at, to vote where they feel that they can actually, you know, have a better future for themselves financially. Uh, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. was, of course, very popular in uh, the 1960s, and his legacy still exists and persists with us today. I highly recommend African Americans to look at his Poor People's Campaign uh, in the last year or so uh, before he was assassinated, and what his focus was with the Poor People's Campaign, and, and how does that actually resonate with their lives today? And that may be uh, helpful in regards to them becoming more informed voters. Um, you know, but yes, to answer your question very bluntly, I think that a lot of individuals down there, uh, not to speak for all of them there because I'm not there, <laughs> but I would imagine that they're looking at maybe a lot of the ads and they're looking at the quick uh, knowledge fact that he was, you know, President Barack Obama's vice president. Um, so, you know, but yeah, we all need to become informed voters all across the board. Bernie has also seemed to start winning over the African-American vote and also the young voter. He's very mm -hmm. popular with the young voters. Why do you think this is? Why do you yeah. think Bernie is so popular with yes. the young and the African-American and minority community? Right. Yeah, and it's ironic because he's such an older individual. How does he get the attraction of young people across the board, black, brown, white, and Asian across the board? Well, I think that it, once again, kind of goes back to the Poor People's Campaign, right? So King uh, was looking at you know, really financial and economic social justice. Um, you know, this generation, I know they say millennials, right? <laughs> the millennials uh, really came to age um, during the recession of 2007, 2008, and its lingering effects thereafter. And they got their college degrees, and they couldn't find substantial work. They couldn't buy houses. Uh, they couldn't have a pension. They didn't have a pension, just like their parents or grandparents. And so it created this whole different experience for them and so they became very attractive to candidates who were you know gonna really speak to those issues and those things that they wish that they would have I mean they did everything you know that they were told to do go to school get your college degree you know so on and so forth and they did all those things and obviously there's no guarantees in life but usually if you do those things uh, you should be successful you know at least enter the middle class and that wasn't the case for a lot of individuals in that um, uh, age bracket, a generation of the millennials. So you have younger millennials even more uh, interested in, in this uh, aspect of socialism, democratic socialism of America. He actually represents the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, which looks, like a, which looks at a democratic distribution of wealth, essentially. So it's not just staying at the very top of the oligarchies. You know, oligarchy means essentially the very few rich people in the nation are owning society at large. And um, so, yeah, it's just, it's a new day. <laughs> It's a new day. It's what is it? Day. One percent of Americans? Yeah, about that. Yeah, about one percent. On about somewhere around forty to forty-six percent of the wealth uh, in the nation. Yeah, and you know, a shout out to uh, March nineteenth, Dr. Cornell West, who is a supporter of Bernie Sanders, is actually coming to the campus here at Pierce College. I'm not yet for sure where on Pierce campus, <laughs> but uh, he's a great individual. I actually had a chance to meet him a couple times uh, when I was younger. Uh, so I think that the Pierce College community, Black community, especially 
is definitely going to be inspired by Dr. Cornell West when he comes March 19th. What time? I'm not for sure. Uh, yeah, I know. Yes. <laughs> I'll let y'all know what time it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems during debate times and town halls, the African-American and minority com communities seem to come up of the m utmost importance for candidates to talk about. Do you think that this is just a strategy, or do you actually think that candidates are starting to care more about the African and minority community? And they want the African-American community to understand that they do care. Well, I think that there's definitely some well-meaning individuals that, in my personal opinion, do seem to be in line with that, like a Bernie Sanders, for instance. Um, you know, for sure, I, I think that there is that there. Of course, no candidate is perfect, and uh, yeah, so I mean, that's something to keep in mind. Um, so the holistic view should be the main aspect, unless they have some serious egregious history, <laughs> past history, uh, that impacts how they see uh, black people and other people's. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I do think that Bernie Sanders in particular, um, not to make this like an ad campaign for it's me. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I like Bernie Sanders, obviously, as you can imagine. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's hard to know the hearts and minds of people. Uh, but um, he's someone who's been in Congress for such a long time. And people can look at his track record and look at his rhetoric, look at his actions, and they can come to a conclusion. Yeah, And that's true with any candidate, by the way. Yeah, look at their full track record. So we're Bernie. Are we going for Bernie? Is that who we're going for yeah, here? Yeah, I, I like Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I, I really do, personally. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I like the $15 an hour, you know. I think yeah. that's fair. Uh, I mean, even $15 an hour in California is nothing, but... Um, across the United States, and that and that brings more of a equality yes, because um, right. it seems to be that the African American still is not anywhere near what yeah. the white people make. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, unemployment rates for African Americans consistently been like in the double digits. Uh, I know sometimes Trump likes to take uh, some credit from Obama, <laughs> and obviously, once again, President Obama wasn't a perfect president. No president is perfect, uh, but nonetheless, um, you know, I think that. Black people definitely need to become more informed. All people need to become more informed voters uh, so that we can have a better present and future, for sure. Should the African-American voter trust Trump or learn to trust him if he does get another four years? How are we, how are we gonna deal with this? Yeah, it goes back to track record. I think he does not have a good track record uh, in relation to helping African Americans or even being aware really of African American issues, the real issues. Um, and uh, we can say that with other issues as well, by the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I personally don't recommend, uh, you know, I, I personally don't ad adhere to his rhetoric and his, his track record personally. Yeah. All right, so we have one last question here before we wrap things up. Uh, I want to know, what advice and what encouragement can you give to the African-American and minority commu community right here on Pierce and their surrounding areas to go out tomorrow, let their voices be heard, let people know that we actually do care about the African-American community, the minority community, and bringing fairness and equality to all communities. Yeah, most definitely. So, you know, I definitely support African-Americans' upper mobility and all people's ability, upper mobility, and get out there and vote. Strategically, use your vote. Be positive-minded in the hopes that you can become whatever it is that you want to become. Education is very much important. 
I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to wrap things up now. Um, I want to thank you so much, Professor, for taking thank the time. You. Thank you, Janelle. Um, if you guys haven't had a chance to take any Professor Strickland's classes, please do so. He's very knowledgeable. I love his classes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Bells 2020. Please, tomorrow, it's Super Tuesday. Get out there and vote. You can vote right here on Pierce College at the faculty and staff building, 600. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just go right there. It's very easy. They make it simple. There's a lot of people to help. Just please make sure your voices are heard tomorrow, Super Tuesday. Again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week right here on kpcradio.com.